0: Well, for anyone who has been worshiping with us for any extended period of time, the focal point of this message or its main application will be of no surprise. I'm going to be speaking on reading your Bible through in a year. Every first Sunday after December, uh, Christmas, I have been encouraging you to read the Bible through in a year, and if you've taken me up on that challenge, you have read your Bible through now about 40 times, if you were here from the very, very beginning, and uh, I hope even if you've read the Bible through that many times that you will continue to read it through this year as well. As a ground for that encouragement to be reading your Bible through in a year, I want us to look at... uh, The book of Jeremiah, chapter 36, and I want us to see four important facts to keep in mind as we read the Bible, four facts taken from Jeremiah chapter 36, four facts to keep in mind as we're reading the Bible. First, it's important to keep in mind that the Bible is the written word of God, and I know that you have heard that often. But yet, it is so important that we keep that in mind, that the Bible is the written word of God. If you look at chapter 36, verse 1, it states, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is the Lord's word to Jeremiah. The word of God... Is communicated to human beings by God. Verse 1 This word came to Jeremiah, and God's word was written down. Notice verse 2 Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you. Take a scroll and write in all the words that I have spoken to you. So as we think about the scriptures, the scriptures are God's words that have been written down. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction, for righteousness. The man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But this statement that all scripture, scripture is simply sacred writings, sacred writings. The sacred writings of God are inspired, meaning they're God-breathed, meaning that they ultimately come from God. God's prophets often would use a scribe or secretary to actually write down the words of God. Look at verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Nariah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he, that is God, had spoken to him. So Jeremiah uses a secretary to record the words that Jeremiah received from the Lord and is now giving to the secretary to record. Well, just as Jeremiah used Baruch to write down the words that came from God, so too we find in the scriptures that it was often the practice for those to whom the word of God came to use a secretary to write those words down. For example, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was given the word of God by revelation, But Paul used a secretary, if you will, to actually write the letters of the New Testament that God used Paul to author. In Romans chapter 16, in verse 22, we read this. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. So when it's referring to Tertius as writing the letter, Paul, we know, is the human author of the book of Romans. It was Paul to whom the message came, but Tertius is the one who is actually writing it down. We find elsewhere that that Paul reveals that in every book that he is responsible for, he signs as a means of authenticating that letter as truly coming from Paul. Though he did not write the words, he would sign the letters demonstrating that they came from him. This comes from Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 17. I, Paul, wrote this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness, In every letter of mine, it is the way I write. So here was Paul signing every letter, authenticating that it came from him. Paul may actually have penned the entire book of Galatians himself. We're not sure. But what we do find in the book of Galatians is some information as to what made Paul's signature. Unique, if you will for he tells us in Galatians chapter 6 verse 11 these words see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand see what large letters that I am writing to you with my own hand so in his own handwriting Paul would sign the letters that came to the churches from him And he says that they are written in large letters. It is generally thought that Paul wrote in large letters because he was virtually blind. According to church history, the Apostle Paul, as I say, was probably what we'd refer to as legally blind. If you remember on the road to Damascus, he was struck by a great light, and he was blinded as a result. We do know that he was, his, his uh, vision was restored, but evidently not restored completely, just to the point that he was not totally blind. Many think that the physical malady to which Paul refers to in Corinthians When he says that he has a thorn in the flesh, that he had prayed three times to be removed, but God chose not to remove it as a means of keeping Paul humble and dependent upon God, that that very thorn in the flesh was the blindness of which we speak. But the point is that the Bible is the very words of God that are given to us. It is God speaking directly to us. It should be striking. To us, that it is as significant as any vision or audible voice. In fact, it is better, richer, than any vision or audible voice. For it is ours to read at any time, at any place we can pick it up and hear from God. God speaks to us, through and by His Word. The Bible is the very Word of God. Secondly, it's important to keep in mind that the Bible is to be read both publicly and privately. The Bible is to be read both publicly and privately. In Jeremiah chapter 36, the Word of God was to be read publicly for worship. Jeremiah was banned from the temple and was not allowed to speak the word to people as a result of the king's edict in opposition to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 5, it reads, And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord. So in Jeremiah's absence, Baruch was to read the word of God. Verse 6, So you are to go... And on a day of fasting, in the hearing of the people, in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. The word of God was indeed read publicly for worship, verse 8, and Baruch the son of Nariah did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem, all the people who came from the cities of Judah, Jerusalem, proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Verse 10, then in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord. In the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which is in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. So this word was read in God's house for public worship. God's word was always intended to be read and expounded as a part of public worship. 1 Timothy 4:13 Paul writes to Timothy until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. Now literally it says the reading of scripture and uh, the SV translates it public reading because in the context Paul is telling Timothy how he's to conduct himself in the life of the church and thus public reading of the scriptures. But we find that the public reading of the scriptures has always been foundational to the worship of God. Jesus himself regularly read the scriptures in the synagogue and then expounded them. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it states, and he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, so this was Not out of the ordinary. This was in keeping with what Jesus always did. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read. And so here is Jesus every Sabbath day entering into the synagogue, reading and expounding the word of God. The reading of scriptures and their exposition was the very foundation of worship in the synagogue. So Paul speaks of the culpability of the Jewish people having failed to believe the word of God, for they hadn't read to them on a regular basis. Acts 13, 16, Paul says, So Paul stood up and, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, Listen. Then he goes on to say, Brothers, son of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us have been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled by condemning him. So Paul says, this is in keeping with what God's word has said, and you have heard it read every Sabbath day. Or the word of God was foundational to the worship in the synagogue. And so too, down to this very day, the reading of God's word and the exposition of scripture is foundational to our worship preach the word be diligent in season out of season it's the word of god that is the basis of our worship but it isn't just the public reading of the word that needs to be valued but it is also the reading of god's word in private if you look at chapter 36 verse 1 uh, excuse me verse 11 Jeremiah thirty six eleven. it says when Micaiah the son of Gamariah son of Shaphan heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll he went down to the king's house and to the secretary's chamber and all the officials were sitting there Elishama the secretary Delilah the son of Shemiah Elnathan the son of Achbor Yemariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the officials. And Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the beginning of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniah, son of Shammaiah, son of Cush, to say to Baruch, take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah took the scroll in his hand and came to them And they said to him, sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. So the reading of the word in public led to the reading of the word in private, which eventually led to the reading of the word of God privately in the presence of the king. The leaders under the king were struck by the words that they had heard, verse 16. And when they heard all these words, they turned to one another in fear, and they said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. And so they inquired more deeply about what they had heard. Verse 17. Then they asked Baruch, tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation, meaning Jeremiah's? Baruch answered them, he he directed all these words to me, while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Hearing the word of God preached publicly should lead to the reading of God's word privately. We find in the book of Acts that it says concerning the Bereans, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So now we see the Berean response, which the Bible says is a noble, appropriate response to God's word. They received it eagerly on the Sabbath day, thankful for what they had heard, and then diligently, on a daily basis it says, that they went home and studied to make sure that these things were indeed true. This is what gave them confidence in their own belief. It was an understanding that they derived as they read the word of God. So too, we should have a daily reading of the word of God privately so that you are convinced that indeed this is what God's word says, that you're not taking my word for it, but you know beyond a shadow of doubt of what you believe And you can only know that by your own involvement in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. As you read the Word of God, you will grow in faith, you will grow in understanding, you will grow in your life spiritually. It is our private reading of Scripture that enhances our knowledge of the truth. Jesus repeatedly Rebuked his hearers with the question, Have you not read? Have you not read? This is a constant rebuke of Jesus for those who heard in their failure to believe. Mark chapter 2 25, he said to them, Have you never read what David did? Mark chapter 12, verse 10. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Matthew chapter 12, verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? He says to the Pharisees, Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? Don't you know? With the implication that if they had devoted themselves in sincerity to understanding God's word, they would know. They would understand. They would believe. So it's essential that we are, in a regular basis, reading the word of God so that we might know, that we might understand, that as we hear the word of God, it makes sense. The better you know the word of God, the more you will get From the preaching of God's Word. It's essential that you don't just rely on the preaching of the Word of God for your spiritual growth and development. It needs to be personal. We see the importance of reading the Word of God personally on a daily basis through God's instruction to the kings of Israel. God commanded that the kings of Israel were to read from the word of God every day for the entirety of their lives. Let me say that again to you. God commanded that the kings of Israel were to read from the word of God every day for the entirety of their lives. Deuteronomy 17 and 18 and 19. And when he, that is the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of the law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life. He shall read of it all the days of his life, every day for as long as... As he lives. This is God's instruction. He goes on to say that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. It is in the faithful reading of God's word daily that it keeps us from doing that which is evil or wrong. It is a preserving influence of in our lives it teaches us what is right and wrong. And beyond that, it is an instrument of the means of grace that God uses to bring conviction, to point out our sin and to instill within us a greater desire for a love for Christ and a hatred for sin. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It is the daily reading of the word of God that promotes the growth and progress in our lives. So Paul writes to Timothy that he is to be reading the word of God so that all men may see your progress. We shouldn't have to tell people we are reading the Bible, it will be evident. It will be evident. You won't have to tell people that you're reading the Bible through every year. If you are reading the Bible on a daily basis, the entirety of the Word of God, it will become noticeable. Your understanding, your authority, your ability to explain and share the Word of God is just going to keep on increasing. It will be to your advantage. So too, we should be reading from the Word of God every day of our lives. If we read but an average of four chapters a day, we will read the Bible through in a year. And I submit to you that that is a worthy and obtainable goal. So let us read the Scriptures Daily, with the intent of reading the Bible through in a year. Thirdly, it's important to keep in mind that opposition to the Word of God will fail. The king brazenly rejects the Word of God and even seeks to destroy the Word of God. The Word of God was read to the king, verse 21 of chapter 36. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll. And he took it from the chamber of Elisha of the sanctuary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. But the king brazenly rejected the word of God and even sought to destroy it, verses 22 and 23. It was the ninth month. And the king was sitting in the new winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. And as Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. The brazenness of the king is seen in the fact that the king thought there would be no consequences to his action. For the king was not afraid. Even though this was such a a direct in your face rejection of the word of God, yet He was not afraid, verse 24. Yet neither king nor any of his servants who heard all these words were afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Just a brazen rejection. The king had not heeded the counsel to refrain from destroying the word of God, verse 25. Even when Elnathan and Delilah and Gemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll. So verse 25 that tells us, as the king is tearing up this scroll. As he's burning it, he has people around him saying, don't do that. What in the world? (laughs) Stop. Can you imagine people under the king's authority, yet just so taken aback at, at how dreadful a thing to be destroying the very word of God that they try to restrain him, but he will not be restrained. The king not only sought to destroy the word of God, but wanted to destroy the messengers as well. Verse 26. And the king commanded Jehemiel, the king's son, and Shariah, the son of Aziel, and Chelemiah the son of Abdiel, to seize Baruch the secretary and Jeremiah the prophet. So he wanted to imprison, at least, or kill Baruch. And Jeremiah. However, God protected both Baruch and Jeremiah, verse 26. And the king commanded Jehemiel, the king's son, and Suraih, the son of Azrael, and Shalomiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch the secretary and Jeremiah the prophet. And now we have these words, but the Lord hid them, the Lord protected them. He would not allow that to happen. It's not the word of God that's going to be destroyed. But those who oppose it, God will judge Jehoiakim for the rejection of God's word. We see in God's dealing with Jehoiakim that the rejection of God's word will ultimately result in condemnation, verses 29 and 30. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out by the heat by day and frost by night. God's going to judge the rejection of his word. But it is not just Jehoiakim, but all who reject God's word will be judged. Verse 31. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster I have promised against them, but they they would not hear. The point is there are many who oppose the word of God, but that opposition will not stand. That rebellion will not be tolerated. And God's word will come to pass. Fourth lesson it's important that we keep in mind that God has and will continue to preserve his written word. Let me say that again. It is important that we keep in mind that God has and will continue to preserve his written word. God preserved his word despite the attempts to destroy it. Look at verse 27. Now, after the king had burned the scroll, after the king had burned the scroll, with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He said, Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. Verse 32. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. Though he tried to destroy it, though he thought he destroyed it, God restored his word. He preserved it. He kept it. There was another copy made. God throughout the ages has wonderfully preserved his word. He has not allowed it to be destroyed for any reason. After speaking to Moses, God wrote the Ten Commandments on clay tablets, Exodus 31, 18. And he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, which were written with the finger of God. What an incredible thing. That God would write his word on clay tablets so that it would be preserved and kept, read, believed, obeyed. And these tablets were entrusted to Moses. They were what he was to take with him down from the mount after having spoken with God to share that word with others. In quite a different act from that of King Jehoiakim, Moses, in a fit of anger at the sinfulness of God's people, threw down the clay tablets on which the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God, and they were dashed to pieces. Listen, Exodus 32, 17-19. to 19. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp, but he said, it's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of cry of defeat, For the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the feet of the mountain. What a foolish act on the part of Moses. What a sinful act on the part of Moses. In his anger. One might say it was righteous anger, but the result was certainly not a righteous act. He took those precious clay tablets and threw them on the ground, and they were smashed. We might think how awful. We might think, what next? Well, the what next is that God in his grace restored and preserve them. Exodus 34.1 The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. We see repeatedly the great truth in the word of God, that not only God gives us his word, but God preserves his word. God has promised that his word will not be destroyed. Luke 21, 33, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Today, we don't have a single original autograph of the scriptures. We don't have any originals of any books of the Bible, but God in His grace and His mercy has preserved that word. So that what we have today are faithful copies of what was originally spoken, just as we see in the example of Baruch, just as we see in the example of Moses, God preserves His Word. And there have been many down through the ages that have sought to destroy the word of God and to keep it from God's people. It's been burned. It's been banned. Translators of the word of God have been martyred. Kings, authority, people have tried to keep God's word out of people's hands and from being read. And unbelievably, it might seem, in the time of the mid-ages, the church even tried to keep the word of God from individuals. They didn't want the word of God to be read lest they would find that what was being taught at the time was wrong. That's why Martin Luther hosted the 95 Theses and said, Sola Scriptura, only Scripture, Answer me not by what the Pope decrees, answer by the word of God. And so in many churches today on the communion table, when there's not a communion, there's a Bible. And it's always a Bible that is open. And it's always a Bible that is opened in the face and direction of the congregation, not the pulpit for it is the great Protestant truth that the Bible is not just for the pulpit, that the Bible is not just for the preacher. The Bible is for everyone. The privilege of having, believing, reading, knowing the word of God extends to all. So in conclusion, My thoughts are these. First, do we value the word of God as the written word of God? God's words written down. God speaks to us through his word. As personally as if his voice would ring out from the heavens. As personally as if God would give you a vision in the night how precious that would be to you. We have God's words given to us, and it should be precious. Having read the word of God, do we embrace it? Do we heed it? Do we obey it? I believe that we are not among those who brazenly reject the word of God. I don't think anyone here is seeking to destroy it by any means. But do we value it as we should? That the words of the Bible are the very words coming from God himself. That God has given us his word for our instruction, for our well-being. Will we always prize the word of God? First, will we always demand that the Bible be read and expounded for worship? It's foundational to worship. May we never ever depart from from the foundation of the word of God as the basis of worship. And that worship of God publicly should result in the private use of the word of God. I hope that the public exhortation to you today will take root in your heart and mind, and you'll go home, and you will faithfully read the word of God. That is what is to take place in the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Lastly, are we struck by God's grace that He has preserved God's Word for us and not only preserved it, but has given to us in abundance? God has kept His Word, protected it, watched over it, guarded it, So that the word of God that we have today is completely reliable, trustworthy, faithful to the original autographs. They are without error. But not only has God preserved it and kept it, God has given us his word in the day and age in which we live in an incredible abundance. There have been periods in church history where the word of God was rare to be personally owned. Before the printing press, it was extremely, extremely expensive and difficult to have a copy of the Word of God. The printing press, the very first book printed on the printing press was the Bible. It became much more readily available to the masses. But the day and age in which we live, everyone has a free, everyone in the United States, that is, has free access to the Scriptures. Not only do we have it in written form, but You can get free copies of the Bible that you can download on your computer, your tablet, your phone, any electronic device imaginable. You can carry it with you. You can read it at any time. It's incredible what has been made available to us. But there's an old saying, and that is familiarity breeds contempt. And the very abundance of the word of God perhaps lessons the significance and importance in our own mind of actually cherishing and treasuring and reading the word of god the very abundance of the word actually may be a difficulty for us just imagine if one day a regime would arise in the United States of America and all of a sudden it would become illegal to own a copy of the word of God. To be imprisoned or even martyred for reading the scriptures. How deeply we would lament. How breathtakingly shocked we would be And how regrettable we would feel that we don't have the Word of God. But we do have the Word of God with no threats, no imprisonments, no martyrdom. In fact, just begging us to read it and to read it more faithfully, more abundantly. We certainly do not seek to destroy the Bible, but do we dishonor the Bible and God by not reading it. God did not give us the scriptures to place them on a shelf. God gave us the word of God to commune with us, to fellowship with us, for us to read and delight in. You will find great benefit and reading the word of God through in a year, I trust you'll do so. But it's not just the benefit that you will enjoy. You will honor the person of God. You will show respect. Can you imagine a loved one sending you a letter that you've never read? You know that happened to me once? I was at Bible College, and my parents had sent me a letter. And uh, I was busy, and so on. And I got it on a Tuesday, and put it on my desk. And if you've ever seen my desk, it's easy f- for something to get lost once it's, it makes its way to my desk. I never opened it. And uh, Saturday, they appeared on campus. And uh, I said, well, what are you doing here? They said, haven't you read my letter? And they told me they were coming, and they wanted to take me out. And, They wanted to celebrate a certain event and it was all news to me because I hadn't read it. I was ashamed. May we not be ashamed as we stand before God. May we be workmen that needs not to be ashamed that are rightly dividing the word of truth as we give ourselves to the reading of the word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you it's your word. We thank you that you've given us the word of God to be read, to be read publicly and to be read privately. And Lord, we, we thank you that you cause your word to be victorious. You will not allow those that oppose and reject it to win or to conquer. And Lord, we know that you have preserved your word and we thank you For there are many that have been seeking to destroy it. Destroy it literally in terms of trying to burn it and trying to keep others from reading it. Destroying it figuratively. As we live in a day and age where the Bible is coming under great attack, many, even in religious circles, that are questioning its authority. Wondering if it's reliable trustworthy, whether it contains myths and untruths, whether or not it is truly without error. Lord, we know you have preserved your word. You have kept it. It is reliable. It is true. O God, even those who oppose it today will not reign victorious. Your word will conquer And your word will be maintained. It will not pass away. There will be your written word for every generation. For you are faithful. Thank you for the word of God in our generation. Help us, O God, to honor it, to receive it, to embrace it, to love it, to cherish it, to read it with a heart of obedience and praise.